Welcome to Mazum Gumzo, African Scholarly Conversations, a podcast that highlights the perspectives of various stakeholders in academia and research fields across Africa through open dialogue on Mazum Gumzo on scholarly communication in Africa. Today's episode features an engaging session on using digital object identifiers to increase discoverability of African journal articles by Joy Owango of TCC Africa, Susan Murray, Kate Snow, and Kyle Van Zeel of African Journal Article. Welcome everybody. And we are now live. I'm happy to say that we are, we are live on Facebook as well. And uh, the best part about this, that this, is the, this, is the, this is the first webinar we are hosting live on Facebook on, in, in, in regards to our TCC research capacity webinars. And we begin the year by, by, by working closely with the African Journals Online, which is Africa's bibliographic database. And it hosts all, uh, it hosts journals that are in uh, it hosts journals that are produced by African academic publishers and also Af uh, African research institutes and uh, what we've success what African journals online has successfully done is that they've managed to index about 50 555 journals from 32 countries and the objective of African journals online is also increase the discoverability and visibility of the research output coming out of the country of the continent. So why is this webinar important and why am I why are we insisting that and getting excited that this is the first of many? To begin with, we started as TCC Africa, we started hosting research capacity webinars in 2019. And from between 2020 when the pandemic hit, we worked, we started working closely with African journals online on research capacity uh, webinars on creating awareness on what it takes to have journals indexed within, uh, within this platform. And the reason why this is important for us as African researchers is in order for us, for our research to be discoverable and accessible, it need, these journals need to, to be, uh, need to be indexed in uh, bibliographic databases that follow the, the international standards on journal publishing and practicing. Uh, uh, on, on, on journal publishing and practicing. And why is this important? As academics, when we are producing uh, research output, of, obviously we are going to have them published, but then we need, that, we need those, those outputs accessible, okay? And in order to produce credible and good quality journals, those journals need to meet the FAIR principles. And we will be talking about that also shortly. They need to meet the FAIR principles. Those journals need to be accessible. All right, and those journals need to be findable, especially when you're looking at harvesting that information to be put in citation databases or to collate the data to, met, to, to monitor the research output coming out of the continent. So gone are the days when we'd produce uh, uh, our journals and leave them in our libraries. The, bibliogra the bibliographic database, uh, the bibliographic database that exists in this continent is purposely set to help increase the research visibility coming out of the continent. Now, going back to 
who we are and why we are here for this, why we are here for, for today's webinar. So my name is Joy Owango, and I'm the Executive Director of the Training Center in Communication. We are based at the University of Nairobi, Chiromo Campus, and uh, that is in Kenya. And what we do as a center is support researchers, research institutes in improving their research output and increasing their visibility. Now, as I'd said earlier, this is not the first time we are uh, working with African Journals Online. Uh, during the pandemic, we hosted a, a webinar on how you can increase your research, uh, how, what it takes for African academics to produce good quality journals and have them indexed in this platform. And the reason for that was to assist African journals in increasing their visibility and accessibility. Now, today we are going to talk about how we can further increase the visibility of African journals through, um, uh, uh, through the provision of digital object identifiers, which are integral in the discoverability and accessibility of the research output that is being produced by, the, by, by African researchers. So we have an amazing team from African Journals Online who will take us through why it is important to have digital object identifiers attached to your outputs, attached to your, out, uh, to your outputs, which would in turn help increase the visibility of and the accessibility of your, of your, of your research. So to begin with some housekeeping, um, we will be monitoring the question and answers on Facebook and also on, uh, on Zoom. So please, uh, raise your hand or put it in the chat and we'll be able to, to share it with, uh, with the speakers. Then the other thing is that this uh, webinar is being hosted live on Facebook, but we're also recording it and you'll have access to it after. And this is the first of three uh, webinars we are hosting with African Journals on Africa Journals Online on this topic because we received over 700 registered participants from three continents. So in order to meet and support all of them, we, we felt that it would be a good idea to, uh, to spread out the, the workshop, rather the webinar in three parts. So the next one after this is going to be held, will be done in 1st of March. So as I'd said earlier, we are based at the University of Nairobi and what we do as a center, we are a research capacity trust. What we do is train, support and empower researchers in improving their research output and increasing their visibility. So when we are talking about the DOIs, that is where the research visibility comes in because it is essential for African research, researchers and academics to understand the dynamics in academic publishing that can help in increasing the visibility of their output. So it just goes beyond writing the paper and putting the, and putting the journal together. And those are the things that we are going to share with you uh, today and how African Journals Online is, 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 uh, is what African Journals Online is trying to do to help African academics uh, or African publishers increase their visibility, particularly those who are producing uh, uh, journals. So over the last 15 years as a center, we have trained and supported over 10,750 researchers, worked with over 80 institutes, and we've, uh, we have a mentorship group of over 900 uh, researchers, most of them being PhDs, and we've, uh, we've, we've worked in over 40 countries in the continent. So what we're taking you through today is institutional capacity strengthening, focusing on the research life cycle of, uh, 
of the higher education system. And this falls under uh, pretty much the university commissions and the libraries, because it's in the university commissions, you'll find universities who will be hosting the small academic publishers. And out of those academic publishers, we would, the academic publishers will be working closely with the libraries within those institutes in, in producing these journals. And one of the things that will be pertinent to these two offices, so the library and the universities, is or, or rather the, the, the team handling the production of the journals in the university is to make sure that the journals are accessible beyond their university portal. And this is why this institutional capacity strengthening on creating awareness on how you can use digital object identifiers is integral to, for, for is, in, is an integral part of uh, a capacity strengthening that will create awareness on how these two offices can help increase the visibility of the journals that they are producing, producing within their institutes. So for speakers today, from African Journals Online. We are excited that we have an all uh, women's team that is going to be taking us through this process. African Journals Online is based in South Africa. To date, African Journals Online has indexed 555 journals from 32 African countries. And that is something because it's we have 555 good quality journals that African researchers can use for their research discovery or African researchers can actually publish in. Out of these 555 journals, some have digital object identifiers and some do not. Those, who, that, those that have digital object identifiers have increased visibility of which uh, our speakers are going to talk about. And there will be, and it is, their objective to make you understand why it is necessary for you to have digital, for editors or editorial teams to invest in digital object identifiers for their journals such that they can help increase the visibility of their outputs. Now, it would be easy for you to say, yes, I have a digital object identifier, then I do not need a bibliographic database. That is a bit wrong, that is likely wrong because you need a bibliographic database or even a citation database so that it is easy for, for a researcher to access your journal. That is why we have bibliographic databases so that research discovery is easier. All this information is put in one place such that if anyone is doing any search on Africa or any topic, your journal is picked up. But your, your discoverability and findability and also accessibility will be increased further beyond uh, the beyond AGEL or beyond your institute also if you have a digital object identifiers be, identifier because African journal online journals online is also indexed in some of the leading global international citation databases which makes discoverability of research output even African research output much easier. I won't go into further details but I'll let our team from uh, African journals online to take over and so we will have uh, Ms. Susan Murray as the first speaker. She's the executive director of African Journals Online. And then it will be followed by uh, Ms. Kate Snow, the content and communications manager. Her role involves interacting with the editors and communicating with them on the latest updates that are required for uh, submission with the journal. And then we have Ms. Kylie Van Zeel, who is in charge of the journal assess of the assessment of the journals that are submitted into African Journals Online, and she should be presenting a video on uh, on what 
it takes uh, just a recap and, and the re-emphasis on uh, why digital object identifiers are important. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ms. Susan Murray. Welcome back, Susan. Thanks so much, Joy. It's a pleasure to work with you again. Um, your enthusiasm and your and your energy is uh, is catching. <laughs> um, and uh, and welcome to everybody uh, who's joined us. Um, thank you for doing so. I hope you will find the discussions interesting and useful. Um, we do plan to have quite a lot of time after the presentations so that anybody who has remaining questions, um, whether they be um, questions of clarity or questions about exactly how to practically implement digital object identifiers uh, within a journal, we'll have lots of time for that um, at the end of the webinar. Um, so I am now going to, um, with the help of uh, a PowerPoint presentation uh, to jog my memory on uh, the important items that I'd like to cover um, today. Um, I'm going to start introducing what digital object identifiers are and I want to do this in a way that is mindful of the fact that we are joined in this webinar by people who come into the conversation from various different aspects. Uh, so we probably have some students um, who've registered and are listening in. We've got researchers, we've got authors, we've got librarians, um, and notably, hopefully, we have plenty of uh, members of journal editorial boards um, or journal managers who are um, interested in learning more about digital object, object identifiers, um, whether to get a deeper understanding of them um, or as an introductory session. So um, this first um, piece by me of the webinar is going to be pretty basic and straightforward. I'm just going to be explaining quite simply with a couple of examples um, to help understand um, what exactly a digital object identifier is. Um, and as Joy mentioned after that, um, my colleague Kate Snow is going to talk a bit about how a journal that is already accepted to the African Journals Online platform can obtain these DOIs and implement them um, as, as part of one of the free services that Agile provides. Um, and thereafter, Kylie's excellent video will give a, a slightly more in-depth um, overall perspective of DOIs. And then right at the end of it, I will just go through um, how a journal um, can get DOIs themselves and start assigning DOIs themselves if they are not part of Agile or if they want to do it separately. So just to also um, remind those who, who might have forgotten or aren't familiar with our work, African Journals Online, that's, it's Agile, it's uh, an acronym um, 
And uh, this project has been um, in existence since the very, very early days of the internet, since 1998. Started out as a project by a nonprofit organization in Oxford in the United Kingdom. And it was then handed over to African management um, entirely in 2005. So it's now been African run, um, based in South Africa since 2005. Uh, we are 18 years old, <laughs> our majority. We are an adult organization now. And we exist primarily to make the research output done in, by, um, and for Africans um, visible on the internet, accessible on the internet to other African researchers um, and to the rest of the world. We also work on um, in support of quality um, research outputs um, and, and dissemination and the permanent availability of the content that is needed um, for the academic scholarly record. So, um, as has been mentioned, our current um, number of journal partners is 555 um, from 32 countries. Um, because probably we, because we've been going for such a long time, we are really well known as a not-for-profit organization. Our website is really well optimized and included in the online resources sections of university libraries all over the world. Um, and as a result, we have each month, not just each year, but each month, many, many millions of researchers from, from all over the world uh, visiting our site and downloading articles. So before I, you know, I mentioned that we, we as, as African Journals Online have been around since 1998, the early days of the internet, Beforehand, um, particularly uh, those of us with uh, graying streaks <laughs> in our hair, um, we can remember the way we used to use libraries. Um, and a good example to think about in, in trying to understand um, the move to online and away from physical hard copies of books or journals, um, an, an interesting kind of parallel um, example to use to help us understand what DOIs are is, um, is that of the old-fashioned physical library. So um, we would go into a building and there'd be a whole bunch of books all over the place and we would want to find one specific book and we would know the author's surname, for example, or the title. Um, and we would go to um, this large wooden cabinet, I don't know if you remember those, with lots of little drawers, and each of those drawers would have index cards in them. And on those cards would be what we call now metadata about the books. So things like the book's title, the author, the Dewey Decibel number, um, which section of the library you might find it in, possibly a summary of what the content is about, a couple of keywords. So those sorts of things are what we refer to nowadays as metadata. And we'd use that information to go to the right place and find the book on the, the hard copy book on the shelf with its little Dewey decimal number, usually printed out and then taped on at the bottom of the spine of the book. So hopefully that 
idea is still familiar <laughs> um, to a lot of you, possibly in university setting, students are still using these hard copy systems, um, but slightly adjusted to, to, to be um, digital as well. Moving from a hard copy journal publishing system, um, as we have um, all over the world, and particularly in Africa, one of the things that becomes important is that the content is made permanently available. So if we have an article that has been published in, um, in uh, Nairobi, for example, the University of Nairobi where Joy is based, um, and for whatever reason that journal collapses, um, and all of their content is now digital. It's all online. We, they don't make hard copies anymore. It's only available on a particular website in a particular university's um, digital setup. What then? That article might have been used in a reference section of another critically important article. It might be a very important um, seminal article in, in a niche field that is useful for saving people's lives, that needs to be kept permanently available as part of the scholarly record. And how do we do that online when we have only a digital version of this particular article? So while it is fabulous to move away from print publishing and go online, um, and it can make these research articles available to a much, much wider audience. Anybody with a computer accessibility um, device can be able to discover these things. How do we make sure that computers can easily find them? And how do we make sure that in a hundred years time, for example, after a journal has collapsed, the, that article that we're talking about is still available for other researchers later on? So a key part of making sure that the permanent availability of content for the scholarly record is ensured is this thing called a digital object identifier. Sounds like quite, <laughs> quite a complicated concept. It's uh, each word in, in that is, you know, it sounds, you know, quite weighty, but it's actually a fairly simple idea. Basically, it relates to that Dewey Decimal Code on the spine of a book that we were talking about before. And what it is, is a DOI, a digital object identifier. It's a unique code. It's a, it's a set of letters and numbers that is generated to be one of a kind and it's permanently points to where a particular online item or object can be found on the internet. So when we talk about a digital object, it can be a, a book, it can be a journal article, it can be a data set, it can be a piece of music, anything that is on the internet, online, um, and, and a, a discrete object can, can be a, a referred to as a digital object. Mostly what we talk about with DOIs is in the scholarly sphere is we talk about journal articles or data sets. So this DOI, 
that is associated with one particular journal article is registered with a central entity. It's, a, it's an international organization that keeps all of these together permanently. So it's associated, a DOI is associated with one article on the internet. If that journal in Kenya collapses, but the article and all of the content of the journal is moved somewhere else, so that it's a permanent backup somewhere else, then that digital object identifier needs to be updated in that central agency so that it always points to that article wherever it is on the internet, even if it moves around from website to website. If a journal gets taken over by another publisher, for example, and it moves to a completely different website, the digital object identifier will be updated so that it is permanently available for that article. The DOI doesn't change. The DOI itself doesn't, doesn't change. It is a unique and permanent or persistent identifier that, it is, that is attached to that article. The other aspect of the DOI is that when you upload it, when you add it, when you register it or assign the DOI to an article, at the same time, the metadata that is associated with that article is added into that registry. So the information about the article, like the current website where the DOI points to, the article title, the author's names, keywords, subject area, and abstract, are the kind of basic types of metadata that are added in and attached to that DOI. Because a DOI looks and acts like a website address, one of the advantages is that <laughs> it is, in adverted commas, human readable. We are now quite used to under using um, URLs, www.whatever, whatever, to find things on the internet. A DOI looks like a website address, even though it's got a random looking set of numbers and letters in it. It's still something that we are quite familiar with and so we can use. Importantly, for this whole system of connections between scholarly um, articles to hang together, um, the DOIs need to be used in reference sections of articles. So that readers, instead of just listing the, the, the author's name and the title of the journal and the title of the article and the page numbers and so on, the DOI, if it exists for that article, needs to be added into that reference section. This is something that is really important for journals to, to consider when they join digital object identifiers um, and they start implementing them. For the whole system to work together and just discoverability to be possible permanently of that article and reference section, the DOI has to be listed there. So it is important for journals to add that to their instructions to authors. Please to add digital object identifiers um, as part of the, the reference sections. The other benefit of digital object identifiers are that they are machine readable. <laughs> so a piece of software 
cleverly designed um, by a citation database, for example, can in an automated way talk to that repository of digital object identifiers and be able to then understand, okay, this particular article with these keywords by these people is currently available on this website. And so it's got all of that information put together in a way that makes sense for computers to be able to understand and incorporate that information into online collections that help researchers, wherever they are in the world, discover that content more easily. So in the second bullet, it, it's not quite correct to say co online collections of scholarly articles per se, um, but more like online collections of scholarly citations that can be used for researchers to search and find um, content that is relevant more easily and to make sure that in 100 years time, that article, even though it might be on a different website somewhere that is saved by Google for history <laughs> um, or a, a permanent um, digital archive somewhere, um, even if the journal has collapsed, that article will still be available for researchers in the future. Um, and it will also make African research um, using DOIs more visible globally um, because of the machine and human readability and usability of this digital object identifier. One example that I'm using because TCC has actually been involved in this um, work and uh, um, has <laughs> been encouraging Agile for some years already to have our metadata included on this particular product called Dimensions, um, we didn't actually have to do any human busy work aside from just no the normal digital object identifier process that we do with our journals that are using DOIs. Dimensions was able to extract the information, the metadata about each article via our digital object identifiers and therefore incorporate the article titles and keywords and so on into this research project pro product that links um, not just articles, but it, it kind of forms a whole um, infrastructure, uh, an ecosystem that links data sets and policy documents and articles and patents and so on and so forth. So in that way, it helps place um, articles from Agile um, using a DOI into that whole kind of framework, um, into a, in, in a way that, that machines and researchers can, can understand. What's important to realize though, um, for journals um, who want to start assigning DOIs to their articles, um, they aren't free to be able to assign digital object identifiers to a particular article. An organization or a publisher needs to be a paid member of an assigning entity. We are at Agile a member of Crossref. And uh, they're probably the biggest academic um, registration agency um, that adds the content of DOIs to the International DOI Foundation. 
I'm going to talk a little bit more about, about Crossref um, towards the end of the webinar after the, after the other um, speakers have, um, have had their turn. Um, but aside from the membership fee, there is also an, a yearly membership fee. Every time a DOI is assigned to an article and its metadata entered into a software system and then recorded by the central agency, a once-off fee is charged to that journal. Crossref is a nonprofit organization, but it requires funding to come from somewhere to run its systems, to run its software, to staff its computer developers and, and so on. So it does have to charge um, these types of fees. Um, so if a publisher, if an individual journal wants to start assigning its own DOIs, it's quite important that they need to budget for and pay for membership of Crossref and budget for each DOI fee um, for, the, for, for every article, aside from the process of actually assigning the digital object identifiers. Somebody in, that, in the journal, somebody in the office will have to do that work as well. Um, so one of the benefits about a journal being accepted to Agile after it's been assessed and mentored to, to the point that its publishing practices and standards um, meet our basic inclusion criteria is that Agile has a relationship with Crossref through which we get a somewhat discounted um, fee structure and we absorb those costs on behalf of our journal uh, members and partners. So um, at this stage, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> and um, my colleague Kate Snow is going to take over and tell you a little bit more about how practically um, journals on Agile um, can use DOIs with our assistance, how that, how that hangs together so that you have, instead of just a theoretical understanding of what a DOI is, how it is actually applied by a journal. Okay. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Kate, as you're preparing, I'd like to just share with the participants the screen showing the the screen showing the, 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 the output from uh, dimensions. Just, this is now the power of understanding why DOIs are important. So as you can see through machine learning, journals that are indexed in African journals online, all the articles have been pulled into this citation database. So this, further increases the discoverability and visibility of African uh, research and African output. And this is why this webinar is important because once you have a digital object identifier, as Susan has emphasized, through machine learning, databases are able to pull out this data and then make it further accessible and making, it, uh, making African research much more accessible. So Dimensions on its own has over 124 million records and you can literally just search by journals that are indexed in African journals online. So this is the power of having a digital object identifier because it makes the whole process of machine learning easier, especially when you're looking at in, uh, integration of data into other databases for easier discoverability and findability. Over to you, Kate. Hi, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. 
Um, so nice to see so many faces and so good to see so many familiar names. Um, lots of editors that I've been in touch with. So hi to you, this is my face. <laughs> um, I am just going to quickly run through how journals indexed on Agile can uh, get DOIs through us. So this might not be relevant to uh, many of you in this talk, so I'll go very quickly. Hopefully it'll be useful to some of the editors um, attending the workshop today. So I am Kate Snow and I'm the Content and Communications Manager for Agile. So any emails coming into the info.agile um, at agile.info address come to me. Uh, so there's a lot and I try and get through it as quick as I can. Um, we have Susan, who's our executive director, and Kylie, who uh, handles all the incoming new journal applications. Um, so her details will be at the end of my slideshow too. For any editors on uh, online today that would like their journals hosted on Agile, um, you can contact her directly. Um, we've also got a few other people involved in our um, team, um, but we are a very small team and um, do our best to <laughs> fulfill any needs um, uh, by the journals that we host on our site. Um, so any journal on Agile can apply for DOIs through us. And as Susan mentioned before, there are no financial implications. Agile absorbs those costs at the moment. Well, we've got a little bit of funding. We'll see how long um, that goes on for, hopefully forever. So the first step is to email us at info at agile.info. Um, we will respond with a little information uh, on how to uh, how DOIs work, and a little reminder from this workshop. And we will request that you send us your final table of contents for your next issue to be published. So um, we will start with issues that have not yet been published. Assigning issues, I mean, assigning DOIs to back issue content is, a, um, is another kind of process that we need to go through. And if that is something that you would like, we will uh, deal with that separately. So you will send through your table of contents when your issue is ready to be published. So when you've got all your articles lined up, all reviewed, all ready to go, we will generate DOIs for you. So uh, using a formula specific to Agile, bearing in mind that uh, DOIs generated by other publishers or journals will look different to Agile's, Agile's DOIs. Um, so we will assign a DOI for each article in that issue. Uh, just to give you an idea of what our DOIs look like, this is for a journal that we host called Water Essay. And um, we start, the DOI starts off with HTTPS, with S for security, um, like a normal website address. The dx.doi.org is the cross-ref resolver because um, as Susan mentioned before, we uh, assign DOIs through cross-ref. Um, 10.4314 is the age or prefix with cross-ref. 
So other publishers and journals will have a different number there. And then we use the journal path, the volume number, the issue number, and a digit at the end to make each DOI unique for each article. That is very important. This uh, process is important to check and check and check again because we do not want any errors, DOIs, to go back and amend the DOI. It's a lot of work, uh, sometimes impossible. It just causes a lot of confusion. So it's very important that we check our work and then we send our DOIs back to you to add to the PDFs um, that you check up on us too. The DOIs must then be displayed on the first page of each article. It is up to the journal to decide where that UI is displayed. Some like it at the top of the page in the header, some with the metadata and the abstract, and some in the footer. Um, that's all up to the journal's formatting, um, as long as it is there on the first page. So once this has been added, the issue is ready to go online, it's ready to be published in hard copy, it's ready to be published on uh, the journal's website, uh, the Agile website. Uh, you can either upload it to Agile or send it to us for uploading if, if that's the case. And once the issue is up online, we can then, using um, an exporting system embedded in the Agile software, we export all the metadata and we send it off to Crossref for activation. Once we've done this, the DOI should appear in the table of contents on the Agile website, as I have circled in red here. If the journal DOI does not follow the regular DOI uh, generated sequence, sometimes it takes longer. If the DOIs are um, not assigned by Agile, if they're assigned by the journal's own publisher or, or by the journal themselves, it does take time for this DOI to appear in the table of contents on Agile. Fear not. It does not mean that the DOI is not active. If you click on the DOI link on the PDF, once the metadata has been sent to Crossref, the DOI will still send you to the landing page where you can access the PDF. Um, this is a very technical part of the process. Uh, our software developer has worked very hard um, in trying to get these DOIs to appear immediately as soon as the DOI is active on the table of contents. Um, there's still a little bit of work for us to do then with um, external DOIs. But for now, um, it's working really well, the Agile DOIs. So from then onwards, the DOI is active and uh, searchable by anybody online, as Susan uh, emphasized. It is a persistent link, it will always be there. Um, the, I see there's a lot of questions on uh, if the publisher changes or if uh, the journal is moved from one indexing or hosting site to another. We'll answer those uh, questions later on because I'm sure there will be more. Um, but the DOI will always stay the same. The DOI will never change, uh, no matter where online this, um, the article is hosted. And lastly, very importantly, 
please ensure that if your journal is using URIs, whether it's through us or through somebody else, that the DOIs are listed in, in the reference section um, of any cited articles, referenced articles, and also put a guide in your author guidelines and let your authors know how to do it. Um, sometimes, you know, it is a new thing for um, many people, especially in the global south, and it's important just to make it as simple as possible. And so let them know how they can do it. And here are our contact details <laughs> for anyone that needs to contact us personally or ask any other questions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kate. Um, our next speaker will be Kylie Van Zyl, and she will set up a video which will be a recap of what we've gone through. And in the meantime, please uh, send your questions in the chat. We've started receiving, receiving them in the chat and also on Facebook. And what we are all saying is that it comes down to one thing. It's essential to have DOIs in order to increase the discoverability of your output and also to protect the output that you've produced. Um, uh, Kylie, are you ready? All these questions that you're, you're showing. I am us. indeed. Okay, not a problem. Michael, kindly put your question in the chat. We are going to going to have a, a question and answer session as 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 uh, after Kylie's uh, uh, presentation. So, Kylie, are you ready to share? Kylie, Kylie, are you I ready? am. I'm. Yes, oh. I am. I'm just queuing the video. Okay. Um, and I will. Right, and. Welcome to Agile's Quick Guide to DOIs. This is a brief introductory video to the concept and certain important elements of digital object identifiers. We will look at what a DOI is go on to why are they important in the first place? Why bother? Then we'll look at the anatomy of DOIs at Agile and then how we do them at Agile. Thank you for joining us. So what is a DOI? DOI stands for Digital Object Identifier and that's all they are. They are alphanumeric tags that indicate an object on the internet. You can search for a DOI the same way you would search for a website. In this way, they resemble web addresses or URLs, but there is quite an important difference. And this is what makes DOIs valuable for authors and researchers alike. Once a DOI is active, researchers can always find the article it belongs to on the internet using the DOI, even if the link is broken, the website host hosting the article changes, something like that, the DOI will persist. Why do we care about DOIs? Why are they so important? Well, firstly, they are permanent and stable. They are much more permanent than URLs, so users can always find the document. A DOI links directly to the document, not the website it's on. So even if the website changes or shuts down, the DOI will still be correct. Secondly, DOIs are versatile. You can attach a DOI to pretty much any digital object you can think of. Data sets, supplemental materials, video and audio files, Journal articles are the main use, but there are very many others. Thirdly, 
they're accurate. DOIs mean your work does not get lost. Um, searching with keywords is a blunt tool and titles get lost. Authors have common names and similar names. There are misspellings. Journals have names that strongly resemble one another. Keywords are confusing. Citations can be mistaken for the original article. Publication dates morph into issue numbers. Websites called close down links break. Using a DOI means that you avoid having to deal with all of that tangled mess. And as a result, Fourthly, they improve journal reach, and this means that a journal's content is more easily found and therefore more widely disseminated, which improves research quality. And finally, if you're indexing with Agile, our JPPS standards require all journals aiming for a two-star rating to have DOIs. The anatomy of an Agile DOI. Please note. This is how we do it at Agile, and we register with Crossref, so not all registries and platforms use the same layout. DOIs are often randomly generated, but at Agile, because we like logic, and we believe that humans and computers should be able to read code, we use a specific layout, which looks like this. HTTPS, the S stands for security. DX.DOI.org which is the resolver service, 10.4314, which is Agile's unique prefix, and then our suffix, which is made up of several different elements, and it's different for every journal. In fact, every article. The TJPR here is the journal's path, usually an acronym of the journal's name. The V20I4 indicates this is volume 20 of issue 4 of the journal, and 3 is the article number. It is the third article in the issue. So we have the resolver service, the prefix, and the suffix, which changes. Important notes about Agile DOIs, which are slightly unusual. Mostly when you click a DOI or search for it, it'll direct you to a PDF. But at Agile, you get a landing page, which we will show you shortly. This is because not all of Agile's journals are open access. For these journals, we need to make sure that they receive payment for downloaded articles. So when you click an Agile DOI, instead of getting a PDF, you get a landing page. As you see here, there is the DOI. We click, wait for the magic to happen, and it resolves to this landing page. Simple as that. The Agile DOI process. Assigning and activating DOIs can be complicated, in fact, a pain. And it's a process of, of many steps, some of which are um, a bit, shall we say, technical. Um, and this is partly why Agile handles the process for our journals, because who has time? Put simply, this is how it works. You tell us you want DOIs through Agile, just send us an email, simple. Then, send us the final, and we mean the final, table of contents for the forthcoming issue. Thirdly, we use the table of contents to assign your DOIs. Then, send it to you, and then you insert the DOIs into the PDFs of the articles. There are several places that they can go, as follows. In the header, i.e. top of the page, at the bottom of the abstract, quite simple, or in the footer, i.e. at the bottom of the page. 
Please note, though, that they must always be on the front page of the article. Then, if you upload and publish your own issues on Angel, please tell us that you've done it. Um, we're a small team and sometimes we miss it, but please tell us. We will then activate your DOIs ASAP. Obviously, if we upload and publish for you, we'll, we will already know that they're ready for activation. Then, activating a DOI. You do not have to worry about this bit. We have a dashboard, which looks like this, uh, and is obviously um, another reason we do this bit. And then once they're inserted there, there are several processes. And basically what these are for is to extract the metadata from Agile and prepare it for Crossref, which is important for getting it attached to the DOI. This is why we have to be accurate. We have to have this metadata right. Because the next thing that happens is this XML file, which looks like that. We check those manually. And this is the metadata that gets attached to the DOI. If there is a mistake there, wrong name, wrong number, it means problems later because the DOI will have the wrong metadata attached. And then lastly, that file is uploaded to Crossref and then the DOIs are activated as quickly as possible, usually at most within 24 hours, but faster than that most of the time. Voila, your DOIs are active on the internet. Then this happens. They display on the table of contents on our site, but not in your hard copy. And if you copy one and put it into your browser, as I'm about to do here, you will see that they behave just like a link and resolve to the landing page. And there they are on the internet, ready for other researchers to find and use. It's a fairly straightforward process, but as you've seen, can be quite uh, finicky, and which is why Agile does it for our member journals. Thank you for watching all the way to the end of this video, but there's always a catch, and we have one last thing to ask you. Please, please, please. Journals absolutely must require authors to use DOIs where available in their articles reference sections. Please add this to your instructions to authors and to your journal's referencing guide. It is an important way to maintain and increase journal quality and research quality. That's all for now. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you to TCC Africa for giving us this opportunity. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Kylie. That was a very good presentation. It pretty much emphasizes on what we've been talking about today. The importance of having DOIs attached or rather assigned to your articles, which will further help in increasing the discoverability and visibility of your output. And also the importance, what has come out very clearly from Kylie's presentation is that we need to be very careful how we assign these uh, DOIs. Otherwise it becomes a whole ball of problems later on when we are not able to, to, to access some of your publications as well. But also what is clear is that this is also being done partly by, there's the human component and there's the machine learning component. So we really have to be careful, but it's baby steps for everyone. But bottom line is what are we saying is that we need digital object identifiers to help in increasing 
the visibility of our output. So we need to assign them to our articles. We need to assign them to even the data that we are producing. And as editors and managing editors, please make sure that you put this as part of your instructions to authors so that it becomes slightly easier as well. Uh, the instructions to authors within your journals as well. So now it's question time. We have questions on Facebook and we have questions within the platform. So from Facebook, there was a question asking whether having a DOI determines the quality of the research article or the journal article. So in other words, this is Angela Absalim. She wanted to know, in other words, what is the implication of having a DOI attached to a research article in terms of quality? Kate, would you like to answer that? Hi, Joy, thanks. Yeah. Um, Susan would probably uh, answer this a bit better than me, but uh, I don't think necessarily, actually. I think that um, the quality of a journal can't be determined solely by a DOI presence, um, but it certainly is a good indication um, of at, I suppose what we call international standards and um, when it comes to journals. Uh, so it's a little bit inconclusive. Susan, maybe you have something to add? <laughs> Susan? A DOI is not a measure of the research quality of a, any particular journal article. The DOI, um, as, as long as you're a member of, a, of an assigning agency and you pay the fees, you can add a DOI to anything on the internet, any digital object on the internet. And it can be a terrible, terrible, terrible cover of a terrible song. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's, it's not an indication of the quality of that article, but Mm -hmm. It is um, used uh, in, as Kate mentioned, um, it as, as an indicator that the journal publishing this content knows what they're doing. They are up to date with technical requirements um, of publishing practices and standards that are used internationally and they are plugged in uh, technically to a good uh, scholarly communication network. So only to that extent are, are they an indicator of quality. Okay. So we've got quite a number of questions that are in the chat box as well. And one is from uh, Dr. Schreiber. And she wanted, she has a question in, and I'll just read it out verbatim. So if a publisher changes from A to B, does the DOI change if B takes over or do the DOIs remain the same as originally named by publisher A? And if the journal is hosted by institution A and then gets hosted to institution B, does institution B need to change the DOIs or do they say this, stay the same? So her, her question is if the DOIs change, if there's, there's a host, it's, there's, there's a change of host institution or a change of publisher. Susan? Um, I'm gonna jump in here quickly. Oh, Susan, okay. Uh, okay. The DOI yes. remains the same no matter where the article is hosted, uh, says my internet link is unstable. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, you may continue. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, the DOI link stays exactly the same. It doesn't change. Mm -hmm. um, what we do on Agile um, is the journal will let us know 
that they are either taking over, uh, assigning their own DOIs or the publisher is. And we will contact Crossref to say that the, the um, resolver link, so where the DOI URL will be directed to, so to their, uh, to another website, and those links just need to be updated on the Crossref database, basically. So the, the DOI stays exactly the same. Uh, and the reason for this also is that it's on the PDF. So it can't, it can't change. There's no need to assign another DOI to the same article because that will cause um, a massive confusion. So it's just about updating the, um, the database um, on Crossref's side. In our case, does that make sense? All right. Yeah. So there's a question here in. Re yes, Susan. You'd like and to add something? Just to, just to add to that, um, it is possible um, for a journal that very specifically wants to have um, its own DOIs with its own prefix showing throughout um, their digital um, back record. Um, in the same exact way. So it is possible to reassign a different DOI um, to that article, but as Kate mentioned, it's not wise to do that in general, particularly if you're doing your DOIs via Agile, because that DOI link, the originally assigned DOI link will be on a PDF or an XML document for full text online, or um you know in in a hard copy if the journal is publishing in hard copy as well so um it's always better even if a journal does take over or a publisher does take over assigning dois from agile or a university or any other entity that starts assigning dois um to publications it is preferable to keep the archival um electronic versions um the same um as as the dois originally assigned um, and just to just to quickly add um, in answer to another of the questions I saw, um, an, an EOI is, uh, as far as I understand it, also just the same thing as a DOI, digital, electronic. Um, the the standard the standard the more standard term is digital object identifiers. Mm. Electronic electronic um, uh, identifiers object identifiers are. Uh, a term that I actually hadn't come across before, but are actually just the same thing. Okay. So um, there was a question on credibility of the journals in uh, Agile, and then there's also the question on how long it takes to go for the journals to be indexed within, within Agile. So I'll start with the first one. So one was from uh, Mr. Lampte, I'm assuming he's from Ghana. Uh, uh, I, I believe he's from Ghana, sorry. And his concern was the credibility of the journals that are indexed in, 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 in Agile, bearing in mind the universities that are seeking, when, when the researchers are seeking promotion in universities, they are normally advised that they need to publish in journals that are already indexed in Scopus and some of the commercial site databases. So they want to understand, he wants to understand the, the, the standards used for, to give the credibility of the journals that are indexed in, in African journals online. So that's the first question. The second one is, uh, the second one is that, this is in regards to, he's a publisher, this is Michael Onoja. He says, 
he's a publisher and with a, a number of few uh, with a few journals that he has requested for hosting at African Journals Online, and he was advised that there are number on queue and how long does he, what is the time period that he has to wait in order to have his journal indexed and what should he do in this process? He's, he's just a bit worried. What should he do so that he can uh, have his journal indexed? So Susan, you'll start with the credibility bit and Kylie who handles the submission process is going to take you, is going to answer Michael's question. Susan. Thanks. Um, Lanti from Ghana is your first name, perhaps Richard? Yes, it's Richard. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Richard. Long time no speak. Yeah. Um, to answer the credibility question, um, African Journals Online was actually increasingly being used by authors um, as a mark of credibility, much like these other kind of platforms um, that you mentioned, Scopus and so on. Um, and as a response to that type of usage, we started something called the Journal Publishing Practices and Standards Framework, JPPS. So if you do a search on the internet for jpps.info, you will find a website that explains to you um, the main things that we use to assess a journal and it fits into this, uh, we assess the journals and they fit into this framework. We assess journals that apply for inclusion to Agile in the same way. The actual assessment questionnaire um, is massive, extremely comprehensive, um, probably more comprehensive than Scopus um, or, or, or the impact factor um, mm. assessment questionnaires. So um, mm. from, from the rating um, of the JPPS of a particular journal, you will be on you will be able to see on Agile how well they are meeting and to what degree they are meeting the different degrees of, of, of publishing standards that are that are required for inclusion for, for Agile or for obtaining a one star or a two star um, or a three-star rating and so on. I'm going to ask Kylie to respond to, um, to the question about the queue of applicant journals. Most definitely there is a very, very long queue of journals that have applied to join um, Agile because of the evident benefits um, that, uh, that, that are a part of that. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep quiet now and let Kylie respond. Uh, hello. Um, just because it's the first time I'm, I'm speaking. Hello to many of the familiar names I'm seeing. Um, Dr. Anoja, I am sorry that you have had to wait. Um, as Sue has just mentioned, we have a considerable queue. Um, I get eight applications a week. And as, as Sue has mentioned, I have, um, we, Agile has a quite a stringent assessment pro process, which means that it can take some time. It, it involves, checks on almost every aspect of the journal production process, as well as the quality of content and formatting. Everything from sort of the grammar to the credibility of various boards we investigate. So it is a slow process and we have a queue. Um, what you should, what I would like you to do, please, is to email me directly. I'm at applications at agile.info, so I can deal with your case in, in more detail, just to see if there's anything in particular I can do to expedite your process. Um, you, you do still have a chance. Please, anybody in who is attending today who has an application uh, lodged with us that hasn't heard back, feel free to check in. Please don't leave. We will get to you. Uh, we're a small team. You're looking at 
three of us. This is, I think, fully half of our staff complement. Um, and yeah, don't give up. Just drop me an email and I will, I will get to you. I saw another question to do with this as well. So I'm very much hoping that that also answers that concern. Okay. Um, there was a question on uh, what is required in terms of fees for a journal to be assigned a DOI, the costs. Okay, so I'm going to take that one. Um, first of all, um, if you are obtaining, if you are a member of AJOL, if your journal is part of AJOL, DOIs are free for you. We are a sponsoring member of Crossref, which means we absorb the costs on behalf of our partner journal. So it is a, a huge one of the benefits of being part of Agile and being accepted to Agile is that you do get free DOIs. Um, that means that you do have to use the Agile prefix that is part of that kind of complicated uh, formula that, that we use for, for putting together a logical DOI. Um, if you are um, getting your own um, DOIs as a journal via Crossref, um, and you want to start getting them for free via Agile, if you are already on Agile, that is also possible. Um, but yes, you will then have to use the Agile prefix. So that would be the advantage, I suppose, of a journal doing their own um, DOIs is that they get their own um, prefix that is specific to their particular journal. But not many researchers really look at the, that kind of minute detail <laughs> in a DOI in any case. So the advantage there is quite small. I'm going to now try and share my screen again. Um, unfortunately, I don't seem to have been able to um, have shared my screen previously, but um, I'm going to do so now. Um, and just, yeah, it seems to be successful in this case. So um, what I'm showing you here is the Crossref website. So if a journal um, or a publisher or a university that is publishing journals um, and wants to take over um, DOI um, assignation um, membership for their, for their journals. This is what we recommend you do. You go to this website here, crossref.org and their membership page. And it is all explained quite nicely here. Um, you need to become a, a member in order to get a prefix so that you can create DOIs and register content. Um, it's, it talks about what organizations are um, are um, able or eligible to join, um, joining a community of um, hundreds, um, you will need to make sure that you have um, the internal IT skills and capacity to be able to handle quite complicated um, technical aspects of assigning DOIs and correcting them if there are errors and so on. Um, the membership fee that I spoke of um, is explained um, in this page as well. The lowest tier, it's based on the annual turnover of the entity. Um, and uh, the lowest mem annual membership fee is 275 US dollars. Um, the fees do change for individual DOI um, assignations per article. Um, from time to time, but at the moment, I think that they are one US dollar per DOI. So if you are publishing many, many DOIs, uh, publishing many, many articles um, each year, um, that is obviously something that is fairly significant in terms of, of budgeting. But um, so if you go further down in terms of on the same page and it says help for small publishers, um, 
you can um, be you can participate in Crossref by joining as a member via a sponsor. So Agile is a sponsoring organization that is a member of Crossref. And so as such, we assist the journal publishers, the, the journal partners that we have on Agile um, by covering the, both the costs and the technical, most of the technical aspects of assigning digital object identifiers. Um, I hope that, uh, hope that helps uh, clarify um, the answer to that question. Thanks, um, thanks, Susan. There's still quite a number of questions that are coming in. Um, so this is a question from, uh, I, uh, just let me pull it out. It's a question from Rugare, uh, Rugare Mugumbate. He says, thank you for the session. And uh, it's good that we are focused, we are emphasizing on the positive sides of DOIs and besides the financial cost and the technical complexities already mentioned, what could be, be some of the negative aspects of using DOIs? I'm thinking of the increased workload of editors who are already burdened with work. I'm also wondering if DOIs and many more newer innovations do not result in over, overdue pressure on African publishers to compete with global publishers. The fees, even though they are not that huge, might might they may not uh, dissuade growth of new journals, even though the journals are not able to start, even though journals are able to start without DOIs. So the question is that he feels that this is an overburden on authors, I mean, on uh, editors, and he feels that it's an unnecessary level of competition, and also that there are journals that have already started without DOIs. So to begin with, I will start by answering that bit, a part of it, and then I'll I'll hand over to Susan to take over. The reality is when you look at academic publishing, and this is something even as a center we've been trying to advise universities is that academic publishing is an expensive process. It's a tedious process. So it is essential. It is essential for any academic publisher, especially if it's an institute to assign staff who will handle the journal uh, the production and the publication of the journal. You can have a scientific committee to focus on the articles, but the whole process that will be managing this entire uh, journal needs to be assigned to an individual whose role is purely to handle and work for the journal, in this case, the editor. Uh, traditionally, we've seen editors as existing directors within universities, they're already administrators, they're conducting research, hence this burden you're, you're, trying, you're sharing with us. And I understand and I get it, but it is slowly changing. It is slowly changing, particularly if the university or the, the, the institute wants to use internal staff. The other option, which we've been seeing happening and it's a, is a trend is uh, small publishers, uh, leasing out those services to some of the major publishers to do all this work, which will also include helping in getting, uh, assigning DOIs and working with bibliographic databases like uh, African Journals Online or even Direct of Open Access Journals and any commercial citation databases to increase the visibility. It's all about um, the HR aspect of academic publishing. So I understand your, frust your frustrations, but the reality is these are slowly, these are trends that are slowly changing whereby academic institutions are seeing the importance of just having staff 
who focus on the journal, okay? Because all these things we are telling you is about discoverability and increasing the visibility of the, of the journal. So if you say that um, uh, it is, there are journals that already exist without DOIs, the reality is yes, they do exist, but then they are not accessible. And as an institute, it will be, you'll be hard pressed today to convince your early career researchers to publish in journals that are not accessible or visible. So it's, yes, it is a level of competition, but it's not a level of competition with the global North. We need to look at ourselves uh, from a level of competition in regards to how accessible is our work. How accessible and visible is our work? And these are standards that have been set to help increase visibility. With time, who knows, we'll be able to create our own uh, standards and digital object identifiers. But in the meantime, we are working with what has already been created and there's room to in, improve on it and also create our own. But for now, the best way, one of the, honestly, the best ways that can help in increase the visibility and the accessibility of this and also protect that published work is with the assigning of DOIs. Susan, would you like to add anything to this? Comment to, to Mr. Rugare's uh, concern? Uh, sure, I'm, I'm not sure um, quite what is meant by the notion of competition, but um, I, I do think that that um, there is a workload involved with adding digital object identifiers um, to, to journals. There is a workload in assigning articles to editors and assigning articles to peer reviewers and assigning, um, you know, giving, giving, sending feedback to authors and communications. And there is, there is, as Joy says, quite a lot of work involved in putting together a, a, a decent journal which um, takes a, 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 a submission manuscript all the way through quality control and plagiarism checks um, and so on and comes out at the end with something that is usable and reliable and useful by the rest of the academic community. So these, the, you know, the, these, thing, these things are, 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 are part of life. Absolutely it is possible to continue publishing um, a journal online without digital object identifiers. Um, if you do not have access to funding for a journal manager, or you just simply think that it is beyond the scope of what is needed by your, by your immediate community, that is entirely up to the decision of the editorial board for their particular journal. But what it does mean is that you won't be hooked in to the kind of electronic plumbing that <laughs> joins um, scholarly output together um, through the internet um, all over the world. You'll be sitting by yourself in a, in a slightly by yourself in an island that is less discoverable than if you were joining kind of the main the main continent um, via things like digital object identifiers. Um, so there, there are there are also, as mentioned, you know, during the whole of this webinar, um, entities like Agile, particularly in developing countries, who exist on as nonprofit organisations specifically mandated to help fill the gaps that that are missing in terms of the resources needed to publish journals from um, constrained. 
um, resource constrained settings. So if you don't have funding for uh, DOIs yourself, ADOL absorbs that cost for you. If you don't have a journal manager who can do the busy work for, for DOIs, ADOL does a lot of that work for you. So on. So um, it, the, the, I think that the benefits of having a having a, a, a DOI relationship with Agile, if you are accepted to, to Agile, if your journal does make it through, um, are far outweigh um, the relatively small effort, uh, additional effort um, for a partner journal to, to gain um, DOIs. Thanks, Susan. And there's a question on, is there an advantage for a journal that already has a DOI with Agile to acquire a new DOI independently or will acquiring a new one change the existing DOI? Just to, there's no huge advantage for a journal to get its own um, DOIs. It, if a journal can afford to pay for its own DOIs and has the technical and staffing capacity to be able to implement them and they want to get their own um, DOI that has a, a suffix that relates specifically to their journal, fine. But the advantage is, is minimal and, and the disadvantage is, is, is of course the cost. Um, there, another question that I, I saw uh, a little bit earlier is, are there other kinds of similar um, identifiers that journals um, and authors and researchers should be um, looking at as well as digital object identifiers? The answer is actually yes. Um, there are, there is, for example, um, author persistent identifiers called ORCID, O-R-C-I-D. We will probably have another webinar with TCC Africa um, for authors, prim primarily to, 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 to talk about um, ORCIDs registering as an author through a similar kind of system. Um, and uh, yeah, so just keep an eye out for our, for our um, sharing our future webinars and, uh, and information. Um, we can't obviously cover um, all of the uh, details <laughs> of uh, strong scholarly publishing practices and standards um, in one webinar, um, but uh, but hopefully um, we will get to that. So yeah, do 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 um, follow Joy's and Agile's uh, Twitter and Facebook feeds to keep an eye out for those other kinds of focused webinars. Okay, thank you so much. We have gone beyond one hour. It's one and a half hours of this webinar. And this is precisely why we have, we decided to divide this, uh, this uh, workshop into a series. And this is the first of three. The second one is going to be done on 1st of March. And the final one is going to be done on 5th of April. Feel free to rejoin it. And I really thank you so much for having made it to come for this workshop. I hope it has been helpful. It has been streaming live on Facebook, so you can access it, you can review it. And uh, we are on hand to help you. As, uh, as Kate said, uh, if you want to get in touch with her, please send an email to info at agile.info. Uh, if I got that right. And uh, she's the one who communicates with the editors and guides them on whatever is required to, to meet their requirements. And then Kylie, you can have your video on. Kylie is in charge of submissions. So she is the, the one you'll be reaching out to or liaising with once you've already submitted your journal. So you see, we're also putting a face to this entire process, okay? 
As, as you can see, it's a small team. This is part of the team, but these are the core team that are handling the indexing and the communication with the editors and trying as much as possible to help increase the visibility of African research output. There was a paper that was published a few years ago and it said that Africa has one over 1.2 uh, billion uh, percent, uh, billion, uh, uh, has a population of over 1.2 billion and 0.1% of that research output is visible. I like that statement and I also get upset with it. It's be because there are so many factors to look at or consider when you're looking at low, or low access or low visibility and one of the, of research output. And one of these uh, factors is access to infrastructural systems that can help in increase the visibility. So we have software and we have hardware, okay? And the DOI falls under software, hence this kind of webinar. Understanding how this works will also help increase that visibility. The mere fact we were not aware of it doesn't mean that it wasn't, it did not exist. It just wasn't accessible. So by adopting some of these technologies will help in, in, in increasing our visibility, increasing our discoverability, and we can change that narrative that has already been perceived about African research output. Without further ado, I really thank you, Susan, Kate, and Kylie, and the entire AGEL team for being part of this process. As I said, it is the first of many. And for everyone who made it from all the three continents, all 700 of you, and for those who are able to take part in the Facebook Live option as well. With that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you and do have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Bye. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Mazam Gumzo Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on all our channels for more updates and for candid stories by researchers, policymakers, higher education leaders, and innovators on their journeys. See you in our next episode.
Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Mazam Gumzo Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on all our channels for more updates and for candid stories by researchers, policymakers, higher education leaders, and innovators on their journeys. See you in our next episode.